Do you understand what fiction is or not? Fiction. We're going to talk about that tonight. Also, Elon's deal is over. Or is it? And the strength of a rhino. We got that coming up, that and more. Welcome to the Jay Sheldon Show. Oh, it's Saturday night. Yay. I almost didn't make it tonight. I almost did not get on the air tonight because suddenly my allergies hit me on the way to dinner tonight. I My eyes started itching like crazy. You can see. You see my eyes? Yeah, I know. If you're listening to the podcast, sorry. But trust me, it's not something you really want to stare at. Uh, anyway, yeah, so the nose started running. The eyes started itching. I was sneezing like a banshee. How does a banshee sneeze? like me, I guess. Anyway, it was crazy. And it's gotten a little bit better. Yes, I took a Claritin, but I, it got so bad, I thought, I, there's no way I can go live tonight. But anyway, we made it. We're here. Hello. Welcome. Uh, welcome into the nightmare. Uh, we've got all that coming up tonight and a little bit more too, including an appeal for a young Malaysian athlete who needs your support. And I hope that you will find a way in your heart to give it to him wherever you may be on the planet, because I know our audience is big in the U.S., the U.K., India, Australia, New Zealand, uh, all over the planet we've got uh, listeners. And, uh, of course, here in Malaysia, too, which is where I'm <clears throat> coming to you live from, and which is also where our furry little girl lives. Miko Update. <laughs> the Miko Update, if you don't know, if you're new to the show, Miko is our little Shiba Inu dog. She is about two and a half years old. Um, she's doing great. Uh, no real dramas to report. She's eating well and she's uh, enjoying her walks. Uh, we got a, uh, one of our uh, neighbors here in the uh, area we live in uh, bought her a, uh, a chew toy, which is made from a loofah. Which, you know, if you think about it, is quite cool. Because loofahs are just a vegetable. It's a plant. It's edible. It's not harmful for dogs. But it's quite tough. It's good for cleaning the teeth. And uh, anyway, she loves this thing. So, um, yeah, thank you so much um, to the gang that uh, that gave Miko the, uh, the new loofah bone. <laughs> All right. Uh, what else we got? Oh, yeah, that. And also, of course, tonight we will continue on with Sherlock Holmes. We One of the weird things we do on this show is we read books at the end of the show for the last 20 minutes or so. And uh, we've been doing uh, The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes. Each chapter is a different adventure, and we get through about a third of a chapter every stream till we get to the end and move on. Uh, and we've done all kinds of great books. Got an interesting story just before our Sherlock Holmes chapter tonight uh, about books, and we'll tell you about that coming up in, in just a bit. But um, right now, uh, we're going to talk about fiction movies in particular there is a, a film out here in malaysia which if you're in other parts of the planet you likely haven't heard of it's called mat kilau and uh it is if i'm not mistaken the highest grossing local film ever ever as in all time 
The last I heard, and this was yesterday, it's probably more than that by now, but it had grossed 53 million ringgit at the box office. And that is remarkable. Remarkable. Coming out of a recovery, as you know we are, and uh, uh, being able to go back to the cinema is one thing, but to do it to the tune of over 53 million ringgit, unbelievable. Congratulations to the director, producers, all the folks involved with the film. Brilliant piece of fiction, and uh, it is called Mat Kilau, and it is doing best ever, best ever. Well, World of Buzz has an article. There's been a lot of articles and a lot of attention paid because some people are upset about the way different races are portrayed in the film. So let me just share with you a definition. The word fiction, literature in the form of prose, especially novels, that describes Imaginary events and people. Definition two. Something that is invented or untrue. Now, I know this film is based in history, but it's fiction. Ask Oliver Stone about JFK, his film. That's also based in reality. But some people would say parts of that are Fiction. A Malaysian Sikh group has condemned Mat Kilau for villainizing members of the public. Yeah, I know I'm shoved off to one side, but just give me half a second here, and I won't be. There we go. <laughs> All right. Um, this is the article from Wildebuzz. The link is in our show notes. It portrays members of other races and religions as villains, and we believe this can lead to racial disharmony. Look, I'm all about racial harmony. I'm all about treating people by the content of their character and positively not by the color of their skin, what race they are. I don't care what race you are. It doesn't matter to me. I wasn't raised that way. My mom didn't raise me to look at a person's race or color or even gender or sexual orientation. I don't care. What I care about is what is in your heart. The, as Martin Luther King said, the content of your character. That is the only thing that matters to me. In this case, this is a fictional film. Here's a little piece of news for you. Superman can't really fly. <gasps> I know, bit of a shocker. Star Wars never really happened. I know, to, I, I hate to disappoint. And in spite of what your uncles, cousins, nephews, best friends, neighbors, sons, guy heard from the guy who sold him an ice cream's daughter's neighbors, best friends, dog walker's boyfriend, Pontianucks aren't real. I know, 
I know it's a big shocker for some of you, and I don't, I, I, I don't care what your uncle's neighbor's best friend's daughter's dog walker's son's boyfriend said. They're not real; they're fiction. So is this film. The blockbuster Matki Lao sent Malaysians into a frenzy. People around the country rushed to the cinema to watch the flick. This is from the article. Local historic epic Matki Lao grossed a whopping 12 million after just four days. Now it's up to 53 million. The fastest, highest gross, grossing Malaysian movie in history. There is a poster uh, from Shamsul Yusuf's Matki Lao. It's an amazing, incredible movie. If you haven't seen it, and I imagine at 53 million, there aren't a whole lot of people in Malaysia who haven't seen it. But it centers on the historical figure Mat Kilau, who fought against the British colonists in Pahang before independence. It was praised and uh, commended by people such as even the Sultan of Selangor. Uh, however, some have called it out for its discriminatory portrayal of people of other races and religions. It's a fiction piece, okay? Don't get your diapers in a tidy wad because of the way it portrays. It's a fiction piece. If it were a documentary, now you've got a problem. If it claimed itself to be a documentary, now you have a problem. But it's not. It doesn't claim to be historically accurate. It doesn't claim to be a documentary. It's a piece of fiction. You want to do another film where you portray different people and different characters in different other ways? More to your liking? Knock yourself out, find your funding, and go make your own film. Sorry, I, you know, I, I'm usually all for one who is, is, you know, you do you, of course. But in this case, I'm sorry, I just got to disagree. These people who are complaining because of the way the United Sikhs actually put out an official statement complaining about the film, uh, regrettably portrays members of other races and religions as villains. And we believe this can lead to racial disharmony. Uh, love you guys, but in this case, sorry, I got to take the other, the other stand on this. Uh, it's a piece of fiction, and if you are writing a piece of fiction, you do with it what you will. It's fiction. You make it up as you go. You know, there's a, it's funny because there's a, a person that I follow here. I don't actually personally know this person, but I follow them. They're Malaysian. I don't want to tell you the name because I don't know if this post is, you know, her followers only or whatever. But she says, this is a tweet. It's very disturbing that Malay fiction is now very skewed to nationalism and fake history. Well, darling, that pretty much is the definition of fiction fake history or something that's not true. So I'm afraid you're just a little bit off the mark in that tweet. But that's all right. I sometimes agree with things she tweets and sometimes I don't. So there are days I go, yes, and there are other days I go, you're a moron. But it's like that with a lot of people I follow on, on Twitter. <laughs> a lot. Uh, anyway, so there you go. Whatever your thoughts are, I'll tell you what. It's a brilliant film. It's well done, amazing, directed, uh, directing, directed by Samsul Yusuf and the, the cast, everything well shot, well told story. I encourage you to go check it out because it really is a brilliant, brilliant piece of work. Uh, all right. What else we got going on here? We got Elon Musk. Oh, yeah. I'm sure you've heard by now. 
Elon has terminated his 44 billion U.S. dollar Twitter deal. Basically, Elon said, mm, it's not what you told me it was. And so he says, goodbye. Tesla chief exec Elon said Friday he was terminating his $44 billion deal for, for Twitter, saying the social media company had failed to provide information about fake accounts on the platform, basically bots. There's a billion of them. Trust me, there's a lot. Uh, now, you know, Twitter said, uh, it's not that much of a problem. And then when they actually dug in, well, first of all, Twitter wouldn't release the information. Uh, shares of Twitter have fallen 6% in extended trading to 34.58. The stock had gone to 51.70 when Musk made his initial offer to buy the uh, social media giant back in April 25th. In a filing, Musk's lawyers said Twitter had failed or refused to respond to multiple requests for information on fake or spam accounts on the platform, which is pretty fundamental to the company's business performance. You have, you know, uh, active eyeballs on your ads if you're purchasing ads on Twitter. And if they tell you they've got X amount of hundreds of thousands of eyeballs, but out of those 500,000, 350 or 400,000 are fake accounts. They're not real people. So your advertising dollar in the toilet. Uh, Friday's filing claimed Twitter is in material breach of multiple provisions of the buyout deal. And the company appears to have made false and misleading representations upon which Mr. Musk relied when entering into the merger agreement. So he's basically said, Mm, it ain't going to happen. Now, here's the deal. If he has to pull out of this deal, he's got some some penalty he's got to pay. It might be as much as a billion dollars. He pulls out of the deal. The stock tanks. They sue. Twitter's going to wind up in discovery in court having to explain all of their bot accounts anyway, so you're going to have to pump out that information. And uh, at the end of the day, Twitter, which is a useless company anyways, their stock is going to go to crap. And then basically he buys it at a fire sale. This man is playing multi-level chess, my friends. This man is not stupid. He may be a lot of things, but he is not a stupid man. Trust me, he knows what he's doing. And at the end of the day, I'll predict, you mark this down, this is uh, the 9th of July at 10.14 p.m. Elon Musk will own Twitter one day. Likely one day soon. It'll happen. And he'll own it for a lot less than $44 billion, I can tell you. <laughs> oh, man, this guy. Can you imagine? Just for a second. This is off the subject, but just for a second. Imagine you had that kind of cash, that kind of capital, billions of dollars. Let me put it to you this way. Imagine if for the rest of your life, you never had to ask, how much is that? If you see something you want, you can afford it. doesn't matter what it is, anything, whatever you wanted. You never have to ask, how much is that? I mean, you can, and you probably should. 
But you don't have to. Because however much it is, you can afford it. Would that be a good thing or a bad thing? Now that I think about it, I don't know. Good question. Hey, here's a cool one. Uh, I found this on the on the web, and uh, it's it's fascinating. As you know, the James Webb uh, Telescope pictures are coming out. Is it the twelfth? I think so. Just maybe four or five days away, we'll have the first images from that amazing James Webb Telescope. I cannot wait to see it. Uh, but all things outer space fascinate me. They always have, always will. And this article caught my eye. It's from Siam Two. Uh, the link is in our show notes tonight, our description down below. Astronomers, have, this is a true story. They've discovered a disappearing space object. Listen to this. That turns on and off every 20 minutes and sends highly polarized radio signals. It's some object they have detected in space that turns itself on and off every 20 minutes and when it turns itself on, it sends out these highly polarized radio signals. That's an artist's representation here of what that is. According to research papers published in Nature, they detected a really weird object 4,000 light years distant from Earth. Every other minute, the object vanishes from view and produces a massive burst of radio waves Three times an hour. This is the strangest thing. Tyrone O'Doherty, a Curtin University student, first noted the enigmatic object while scanning the sky in rural Western Australia. It's exciting the source I identified last year has turned out to be such a peculiar object, he said in a press statement. The object, which the scientists claim is unlike anything else they've ever observed, emits a tremendous beam of radiation that every 20 minutes shines brightly in the sky. It also spins and vanishes every minute. Scientists refer to the objects that turn on and off in the sky as transients. And when studying transients, you're watching the death of a massive star or the activity of the remnants it leaves behind. That according to uh, Dr. Gemma Anderson an astrophysicist and co-author of the work. Very, very weird. They don't have a whole lot of other details, but the rest of this story is in our show notes in the link there from siam2.com. And uh, it's just the current discovery is described as being, it's not a very scientific description, but it says really weird and completely unexpected. According to the researchers, it's kind of spooky for an astronomer because there is nothing known in the sky that does that. And 4,000 light years ain't really that far away when it comes to distance of things in the universe. It's in our galaxy's backyard. Weird stuff. Very cool. Read the rest of the article if you want to uh, check out all the details of that story. But I uh, just wanted to, wanted to share that with you and uh, give you a chance to take a look at that. Uh, speaking of amazing things, <laughs> this one is way up there in the amazing bits. You know rhinoceroses? Rhinos? Everybody knows what a rhino is, right? That thing with the big horn? Yeah. Kind of like me with the big horn. 
<coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> anyway, they are extremely powerful, they are extremely big, and they are extremely dangerous. If you happen to see a rhino coming at you, it would probably be best, if you can, to get out of the way or get somewhere else. Because, you know, we've always known these things were powerful, but maybe we had no idea of exactly how powerful. Take a look at this video footage. Again, if you're listening to the podcast, sorry, I can't encourage you enough to check out the link in our show notes. It's uh, from, it's a Facebook video. So the link is there. It's a public video, so you can see it. Just click on it. It'll open up for you. But take a look at this rhinoceros attacking a car. Watch this. Look at that. Some sort of safari vehicle makes pretty short work of tipping the thing over. Look at that. Boom. Unbelievable. Just wrecks this thing. Flips it and flips it over and over and over. Flips it back again. Look at that. The roof is completely crushed in on one side. And he's not giving up. He's just spinning this thing all the way around. There's no report as to what happened to the people in this vehicle. Apparently, they're still trying to get out of the way because they're still trying to drive the car. But take a look at that thing. Unbelievable. Look at that. That is the power of a rhinoceros. Dang! Unbelievable. Check out the link in our show notes. Share it with your friends if you want to. It's very, very cool. All right. Uh, we got one or two more things to go before we get on with our uh, with our book here. But uh, I did want to share this story. Again, World of Buzz. The link's in our show notes. Check it out, please, and give this guy a hand if you can. Uh, a YouTuber and a badminton player. Strange combination, huh? Uh, yeah, well, he's quoted here as saying, I need it to find sponsors. Professional badminton player and YouTuber relies on social media to make a living. There he is. If it wasn't for social media, you guys wouldn't know about me, is the quote. Um, although our national athletes are the pride and joy of our country here in Malaysia, and we have some world-class athletes that we have produced, sadly, uh, they are severely underappreciated at times and often have to find alternate ways to earn a living. You know, we could be making such a killing in the market, in the world, monetizing and making some bucks and making the country of Malaysia world-renowned. Look, there's always talk about how Malaysian films, one day we want to go for an Oscar. Yeah, okay, you know what your chances are of that? About this, and that ain't much. It's virtually none. But we have already, we already have world class, world record-holding champions in the sporting industry in this country. They already exist. Why are we not doing every possible thing we can, not only to support our world champions, but our potential world champions? We should be funding these people. We should be supporting these people. I'm not talking about the everyday you rakyat, the, the, the citizens. We do support them. 
But the government needs to get behind these guys and gals. Often they have to find alternate ways to earn a living if they want to play sports. Recently, national badminton legend Datuk Lee Chong Wei advised Malaysian shuttlers, especially the younger ones, to be mindful of social media and focus more on badminton. However, a professional badminton player and YouTuber recently explained that for some athletes, social media is the only way to find ways to make money. In a live stream, independent shuttler Lo Yuan Shen responded to Lee's comments, said that although he agrees with Lee's advice, social media presence is absolutely necessary for a lot of these athletes, sadly. I agree, but I think different people, different situations. If I were not present on social media, he says, I wouldn't have anything. All of you wouldn't even know me, he said to his viewers. Sadly, that's incredibly true. He explained he needs social media to help him secure sponsors. Not saying Lee's wrong, but if I had enough funding and money to put food on the table, hmm, I would lessen my posting on social media. No problem. When talking to reporters, Lee Chong Wei stated, although social media has become a part of daily life, it can do more harm than good if not properly managed. And according to the New Straits Times, Lee said, my advice to young players, reduce your social media usage. Badminton should be your priority. Um, the clip of Lowe's comments made its way on TikTok. Ugh. Where a friend and editor of his YouTube channel, Darren Lim, expressed his support. Um, in a TikTok clip of Lowe's comments, Lim said, During training and tournaments in Malaysia, I shoot and edit all the videos. Our target is simple. We just hope that Bear which is a nickname for Lowe, will get sponsors supporting him so he can focus. Uh, in reality, badminton might not be a long-lasting career, but social strong social media can help him in the future. So you do have to find a balance. And sadly, because we don't give our athletes the kind of financial support we ought to be giving them here in Malaysia, they've got to find other means. And in doing that, Lee Chong Wei is not wrong. It does distract from your focusing on getting better at the game. But where do you strike that balance? You got to live. You got to put food on the table. Government, get your button gear. Do something helpful for a change. Hmm? They really need it. All right. Uh, you know what? I didn't notice anything in this article are ways that you might be able to support this guy. But... Uh, by all means, please do look him up, support him. If nothing else, give him a follow on his social media accounts. And uh, yeah, please please do that if you can. Uh, Lo Duan Shen is his name. He's an independent shuttler. L-O-W-J-U-A-N-S-H-E-N is the way he spells his name. So there you go. All right. Okay, we're going to get on to our book, but before we do that, before we do that, I got to get one more article here from World of Buzz because it's the coolest thing. It just happened. We usually end with a good news story. That last one kind of was our good news story, but this one relates to our book because part of the reason, in fact, the only reason we decided to read books as a part of our stream is because we are big supporters, and by we, I mean me, big supporters of encouraging you to read, and most importantly, encouraging your, encouraging your kids to read. 
get a book in their hands. Preferably not one here on this handphone, cell phone, on your Kindle. An actual physical book with covers and pages they can turn that smells like a book. Anyway, Sutaya Books has opened in Malaysia and people are beside themselves. At Pavilion Bukit Jalil, which is a big shopping mall here in Malaysia, they opened their first store in Southeast Asia, Sutaya Books, a crowd favorite now open in Pavilion Bukit Jalil. And take a look, if you can see this on our video here, Look at this crowd of people. It is one of the biggest, if not the biggest bookstores in Southeast Asia, if not the world. They couldn't even fit all the people on their camera. They were trying to get a picture of everybody. Look at all the way back there. There's hundreds, if not thousands of people. Uh, a world-renowned Japanese bookstore chain just opened its doors in a pavilion, Bukajalil, and the crowd did not disappoint. Uh, to be expected, the store would be Sutaya Books' first bookstore in Southeast Asia. And uh, there you go. You may not want to check out the place so soon. The grand opening today has attracted droves of people to the sophisticated one-story bookstore. And uh, it was jammed. After the official launch, many people can be seen queuing up outside the bookstore. Look at that. More pictures here. And, you know, what a great thing it is that people are so encouraged here to read. People don't read enough, and you need to read more. Read, 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 please. Anyway, the line was so long, or the buzz says that our camera couldn't even capture the end of the queue. <laughs> so you might want to wait till the hype dies down a little before making your way to the new bookstore. But if you're like us, we can't, we cannot wait to uh, wait to wait, uh, get ready to wait in line. And uh, wow, that's amazing, fantastic. And by the way, studies have shown, scientific studies, that even if you read to your kids, the benefits of listening to someone reading to them are nearly equal to the benefits of them reading themselves. By all means, encourage them to read themselves. Just devour books. Buy them books. Get them books. Get their hands on books. But you can also read to them, or maybe they're too young to read yet. Great, perfect time. Start reading bedtime stories. And like I said, the reason we decided to do books on this show, they're all in the public domain. They're from the Gutenberg Project, gutenberg.org. There is a link in our show notes. You can head over there and get all the free books you want from the public domain. Uh, again, like I said, was just to we, we did this so that we would encourage people to read, and I hope it does. So we're going to continue on with our adventures of Sherlock Holmes. We're in the middle of a very weird mystery. If you missed the first uh, two-thirds of this one, you can go back a few streams and check it out. Um, we're going to head back into Sherlock Holmes. I confess, uh, said Mr. Holmes, that I cannot recall any case within my experience which looked at first glance to be so simple and yet which presented such difficulties.
we continue. While Sherlock Holmes had been detailing this singular series of events, we'd been whirling through the outskirts of the great town until the last straggled houses had been left behind, and we rattled along with a country hedge upon either side of us. Just as he finished, however, we drove through two scattered villages, where a few lights still glimmered in the windows. "'We're on the outskirts of Lee,' said my companion." We've touched on three English counties in the short drive, starting in Middlesex, passing over an angle of Surrey, and ended up in Kent. You see that light among the trees? That is the cedars. And beside that lamp sits a woman whose anxious ears have already, I have little doubt, caught the clink of our horse's feet." "'But why are you not conducting the case from Baker Street?' I asked. "'Oh, because there are many inquiries which must be made out here. "'Mrs. St. Clair has most kindly put two rooms at my disposal, "'and you may rest assured that she will have nothing but a welcome for my friend and colleague. "'I hate to meet her, Watson, but I have no news of her husband, and, oh, here we are. "'Whoa there, whoa!' We'd pulled up in front of a large villa, which stood within its grounds. A stable boy had run out to the horse's head, and springing down, I followed Holmes up the small, winding gravel drive, which led to the house. As we approached, the door flew open, and a little blonde woman stood in the opening, clad in some sort of light muslin de soie, with a touch of fluffy pink chiffon at her neck and wrists, She stood with her figure outlined against the flood of light, one hand upon the door, one half raised in her eagerness. Her body slightly bent, her head and face protruding with eager eyes and parted lips, a standing question. "'Well?' she cried. "'Well?' And then, seeing that there were two of us, she gave a cry of hope, which sank into a groan as she saw that my companion shook his head and shrugged his shoulders. No news? None. No bad? No. Oh, thank God for that. But come in. You must be weary, for you've had a long day. Uh, this is my friend Dr. Watson. He's been of most vital use to me in several of my cases, and a lucky chance has made it possible for me to bring him out and associate him with this investigation. "'I'm delighted to see you,' she said, pressing my hand warmly. "'You will, I'm sure, forgive anything that may be wanting in our arrangements uh, "'when you consider the blow to which has come upon us so suddenly.' "'My dear madam,' said I, "'I am an old campaigner, and if I were not, "'I can very well see that no apology is needed. "'If I can be of any assistance, either to you or to my friend here, "'I shall indeed be happy.' "'Now, Mr. Sherlock Holmes,' said the lady, as we entered a well-lit dining-room, "'upon the table was a cold supper laid out. "'I should very much like to ask you one or two plain questions, "'to which I beg that you'll give a plain answer.' "'Certainly, madam. Uh, "'Do not trouble about my feelings. "'I'm not hysterical or given to fainting. "'I simply wish to hear your real, real opinion.' "'Upon what point?' In your heart of hearts, 
Do you think that Neville is alive? Sherlock Holmes seemed to be embarrassed by the question. Frankly now, she repeated, standing upon the rug, looking keenly down at him as he leaned back in a basket chair. Frankly then, madam, I do not. You think he's dead? I do. Murdered? I don't say that. Perhaps. And on what day did he meet his death? On Monday. Uh, then perhaps, Mr. Holmes, you will be good enough to explain how is it that I have received a letter from him today. Sherlock Holmes sprang out of his chair as if he'd been galvanized. What? he roared. Yes, today she stood smiling, holding up a little slip of paper in the air. May I see it? Certainly. He snatched it from her in his eagerness, and smoothing it out on the table, he drew over the lamp and examined it intently. I had left my chair and was gazing at it over his shoulder. The envelope was a very coarse one, stamped with the Gravesend postmark, and with the date of that very day, or rather, of the day before, for it was considerably after midnight. Coarse writing, murmured Holmes. Surely this is not your husband's writing, madam. No, but the enclosure is. I perceive that whoever addressed the envelope had to go and inquire as to the address. How can you tell that? Uh, the name, you see, is in perfectly black ink, which has dried itself. The rest is of a grayish color, which shows that blotting paper has been used, and if it had been written straight off and then blotted, no, none would be of a deep black shade. This man has written the name, and then there's been a pause before he wrote the address, which can only mean that he wasn't familiar with it. It is, of course, a trifle, but there is nothing so important as trifles. Let us now see the letter. Ha! Yeah! There has been an enclosure here. Ah, yes, there was a ring, his signet ring. And you are sure this is your husband's hand? One of his hands. One? His hand when he wrote hurriedly. It's very unlike his usual writing, and yet I know it well. Uh, dearest, do not be frightened. All will come well. There is a huge error which it may take some time to rectify. Wait in patience, Neville. Written in pencil upon the fly-leaf of a book, octavo size, no watermark. Hmm. Posted today in Gravesend by a man with a dirty thumb. Ha! And the flap has been gummed, if I'm not very much an error, by a person who had been chewing tobacco. And you have no doubt that it is your husband's hand, madam. None. Neville wrote these words, and they were posted today at Gravesend. Well, Mrs. St. Clair, the clouds lighten, though I should not venture to say the danger is over. But he must be alive, Mr. Holmes, unless this is a clever forgery to put you on the wrong scent. The ring, after all, proves nothing. It may have been taken from him. No, 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 it, it is, it is, it's his very own writing. Very well it may be, however, have been written on Monday and only posted today. Well, that is possible. Uh, 
If so, much may have happened between. Oh, you must not discourage me, Mr. Holmes. I know that all is well with him, that there is so keen a sympathy between us that I should know if evil came upon him. On the very day I saw him last, he cut himself in the bedroom, and yet I in the dining room rushed upstairs instantly with the utmost certainty that something had happened. Do you think I would respond to such a trifle, yet be ignorant of his death? I've seen too much not to know that the impression of a woman may be more valuable than the conclusion of an analytical reasoner. And in this letter you certainly have a very strong piece of evidence to corroborate your view. But if your husband is alive and able to write letters, why should he remain away from you? I cannot imagine. it. It's unthinkable. And on Monday he made no remark before leaving you? No. And you were surprised to see him in Swandam Lane? Oh, very much so. Was the window open? Yes. Then he might have called to you? He might. He only, as I understand, gave an inarticulate cry. Yes. A call for help, you thought. Uh, yes, he, he waved his hands. But it might have been a cry of surprise. Astonishment at the unexpected sight of you might have caused him to throw up his hands. It is possible. And you thought he was pulled back? He disappeared so suddenly. He might have leaped back. You did not see anyone else in the room? No, but uh, this horrible man confessed to having been there, and the Lascar was at the foot of the stairs. Quite so. Your husband, as far as you could see, had his ordinary clothes on. Uh, but without his collar or tie, I, I distinctly saw his bare throat. Had he ever spoken of Swandam Lane? Never. Had he ever shown any signs of taking opium? Never. Thank you, Mrs. St. Clair. Those are the principal points about which I wished to be absolutely clear. We shall now have a little supper and then retire, for we may have a very busy day tomorrow. And that's where we will leave it for tonight in the adventures of Sherlock Holmes. I'm dying to know how he's going to figure this one out because it's very weird. <laughs> All right, folks. Thanks so much for uh, listening in and watching in and uh, our podcast listeners across the uh, continent and across the globe. Thank you so much. Please do find us on your local podcast supplier, whatever it is, Apple, Spotify, Google, Radio Public, Stitcher. We're on all the platforms, Geo7 in India. Got a big uh, Indian audience over there. Hello to you guys. And thanks so much. It's the subscriptions that really help us. And so please do hit that follow or subscribe button on your podcast. Once you find us, just look up the uh, Jay Sheldon Show. It's that easy. You can take us with you. We're completely portable. We're live Monday, Wednesday, Saturday nights at 10 o'clock Malaysian time. And our podcasts and videos are available on Rumble, YouTube, uh, Twitch.tv, and of course, Facebook. I'll see you again on Monday night. Until then, I'm Jay Sheldon, and this is The Jay Sheldon Show. Good night. <laughs>
Like, 